we are talking about a comic book, which we all read. If you did not also read this comic book, be aware we may talk about the events that happen inside of it. If this is going to make you sad, you should read the comic book first. That's like playing pretend with five-year-olds. Oh, that Spider-Man, he was just a clone. Did I just have a stroke? Welcome to the Trade Secrets Podcast. I have tough skin, apparently. I did not know I had this power. Comic book talk by comic book geeks just like you. What we did not know was that Nikolai Tesla was the original designer of the Fleshlight. Make it, make it, do it, makes us... Welcome, everybody, to episode 59 of the Trade Secrets Podcast. I am Luke, and I am here today with Joel Simon. Hey, what's up? And, yeah, Andy's always here. Sup? <laughs> uh, this episode, we are going to be talking about the first trade of East of West. It is uh, one of the prolific Jonathan Hickman's uh, multitude of titles that he's writing right now. It's one of his independent books. Uh, it's put out uh, through Image. Uh, we will talk about that a little later. Um, right now, there's a, there were f- there's a couple things that uh, I think we wanted to talk about. Um, we'll, we'll get to yours in a second, but one of the things that I read just before we got on the air <coughs> was that uh, Ed Brubaker, uh, former writer of, of uh, Captain America and writer of many awesome things, um, has come out and declared that the Captain America Winter Soldier movie is the best movie that Marvel has made ever. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Which doesn't really surprise me because, like, of the Phase One movies, Captain America is my favorite by far. Like it, I like Avengers, but Captain America is is, in my opinion, the best. All around movie. I like the I, Dark Knight Rises. I thought that was the best. Oh, wait, oh shit! Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, I, I would uh, have. Wait a second. I agree with you, Luke. Yeah, yeah. I, it's I, better than. But it's I'm, really good, yeah. and yeah, I think it's really underrated too. I think a lot of people kind of. I don't know. There's a lot of people that don't um, don't give it a, the props that it that it deserves, and I really think that it's just a solid movie. Yeah. Yeah, and I, though the first Iron Man was Iron Man, yeah, that really would be good. my actually pick. Cap See, would be really good. Uh, until Cap came out, I thought Iron Man was really good as well. But if you like, if you watch them in succession or near each other, uh, Iron Man falls. Iron Man kind of falls apart a little bit in spaces. It's it's still a really good movie, but there's parts of it that are still just like. There, even even in the even the first time I saw Iron Man, there were a couple of things that just kind of made me go. Mm. I, I think we but can all agree on one point, though. It's not Thor. Thor is not the best of them. Uh, no, no, Thor is not horrible. To be entirely honest, I think uh, Chris Hemsworth. I'm trying to think of. I'm trying to think of what the worst of the of the Phase One Marvel movies would Iron be. Iron Man Three, probably. Yeah, because um, a lot of people. A lot of people ragged on Iron Man two, which I don't understand because I actually love that movie. Um, I love I love Justin Hammer in that movie. <laughs> like he's so fucking fantastic. Um, and I, I don't know. It was it wasn't as um, introspective, I guess, as the first movie. It was just kind of a just like an action, but it was a good movie. Yeah. Iron Man 3, I think... um, So we've got three Iron Mans. We've got Thor. We've got Cap. We've got Avengers. Is there something... Hulk. Oh, the Hulk movies don't count because they weren't really technically... It's not phase one. They were just... They they were technically before the Marvel, like, unified push started. Okay. Um, So, like... So, I mean, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I like Ang Lee's Hulk movie right up until the last 15 minutes. Hulk versus God. Yeah. I mean, I like the rest of the movie. The rest of the movie is fine. Uh, the second, The Incredible Hulk is is bad. And people, I don't know why people like that movie so much, because it's, it's, it's a bad movie. Which one's the second one? It's the one where he fights Abomination, the one with Edward Norton as... Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's not good. Which, There's nothing yeah, good about it. Which has the greatest line ever. What one? Like, oh, man, they're going to destroy a whole bunch of stuff. Let's move them to Brooklyn. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah. It's just not a good movie. But, I, yeah, I think Iron Man 3, Yeah, it's bad. It, uh, not the whole movie. Now, I think it's another one that falls apart at the end. I think the end of the movie is the fucking is just, horrid. Like, don't get me wrong. Robots fighting robots against robots controlled by robots. I am all about no. that. That was too much, though. Yeah, I don't. I just don't like one. I think they overdid the idea that he's got 
a bagwajajillion suits. Like as much as I as much as I like the whole like kind of infinite wealth of Tony Stark and his you know his corporation. I- I'm sorry, but we're talking about like even with his infinite wealth and the technology he has available to him, we're talking about multi multi tens of millions of dollars billions. for each suit. And then, Brilliant and he just, he just like kind of, sp- he, I think it takes something away from the Iron Man suits when you find out that he can just kind of spit them out whenever he wants. <laughs> yeah. um, and then he destroys them all. And you know, that's not going to be the last of the Iron Man suits because there's a fucking Avengers two coming and there's more Iron Man movies. Probably. I don't know. I, I liked, I liked all the stuff with Tony Stark and I know a lot of people ragged on Iron Man three because they were like, there's an Iron Man movie that didn't have Iron Man in it. Um, but I actually really liked Tony Stark and the kid and like that whole I hated the kid. I, I, I liked the kid. I thought he was funny. Um, and I liked, I, and uh, I, I, I will con- disagree with, I will disagree with Eddie. I really liked the way they handled Mandarin in that movie. I thought it was fantastic. And Ben Kingsley was awesome. Uh, I really enjoyed, or I really enjoyed the conspiracy theory that that kid is actually Nova's son for guardians of the galaxy. Oh, yeah. Jesus. It's, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. Okay. Well, he is, he is, in the Avengers movie, I think that's the reason why they say that. Huh? The kid is. Yeah. yeah. Where? Where? No, no, show? no. The Avengers two. Oh, Avengers two. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. He's IMDb has him okay, slated okay, as an okay, actor. Okay. okay. So. Uh, can we just not talk about this stuff anymore? Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> um. Anyway, I'm I'm really looking forward to Winter Soldier. Um. I haven't seen the Dark World. Did I? Either you see Thor: The Dark World? Uh, I will reiterate that I am not a fan of the Thor okay. movies. Okay. No. I haven't. I heard. I heard the little uh, snippet at the end was pretty great. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'll have to watch it when it comes out on video. Yeah, same here. What was the thing that you were going to talk about? Um, okay. Well, first, it looks like John Layman has left DC, and apparently that the, everybody's looking for some kind of scandal or DC stupidity or something like that. But no, he just his contract was over, and he's like, I'm I'm leaving, and. He says that yeah. he's welcome back if he ever wants to come back. So I think he's just going off and doing his own thing. What was he writing? He was writing a Batman book, Batman wasn't he? Batman Eternal. Yeah, okay. Batman Eternal. But, you know, he's doing so well with his own stuff that, you know. Mars That's funny Jew. because there was a, there was a, um, there was a, th- a kerfuffle about a month and a half ago where Layman had tweeted something about how issue, I think it was 38 of Chew or 39, there was a fairly significant drop off in sales numbers for that issue. So he, uh, he tweeted something like, uh, I wonder if we've overstayed our welcome or some shit like that. Mm. And the internet, the comic book internet exploded. Oh, John Layman's going to end chew early. Like, and then he's, he, he comes back and he's like, Jesus Christ, people. (laughs) It's like, it was just musing on the internet and the internet exploded about it. But That's what the internet does. Yeah. Yeah, because the internet. Oh, I'm telling you, man, taking a month off of social media has been fantastic. I have been so productive in the last two weeks. <laughs> Without reading about everybody else's bullshit. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, Dude, let me tell you about what Star Wars character I am. <laughs> Jesus, he doesn't know. He hasn't. It's been the on. best that like that shit's like herpes on like Facebook right now. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Those those Everybody kinds of things it. always pop up. Like, what Avengers character are you? <laughs> like um. a fever blister. <laughs> uh. <coughs> what was the other thing? Um, and NBC is doing a Constantine TV show. <sighs> so everybody's hopping on. First it was first it was ABC, and then it was Netflix, and now it's a- NBC. What's oh, Netflix uh, doing? Um, they're doing the um, uh, Heroes for Hire. Oh, but that's a Marvel show, right? Isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's a Marvel. Yeah, show. yeah, that's right. That's right. Okay. And then, and then, of course, CW. So NBC. Oh, so they're doing four other ones. They're doing. Yeah. I think NBC's thinking like we can't do any worse, guys. So well, it's why interesting. Not? It's inter- Let's it, hop on the comic band. It seems interesting to me that NBC would be doing a Constantine TV show instead of the CW, considering that Warner Brothers owns DC. You know, you'd think that they would keep it in house yeah. unless unless 
what is it news corp or whatever that owns yeah. warner brothers warner brothers news corp i wonder if they own nbc too that's possible y- you know i don't it's, know but it's it's weird how different studios and options get picked up and whatnot because i think i was watching one of these new show on cbs intelligence and at the it's got the guy from lost that's it it, it's josh the, holloway yeah yeah josh holloway and that's the reason why my girlfriend's watching it because he, he, sawyer's awesome he's so dreamy yeah, he's so dreamy yeah. i like that actor he's i mean Iranian. aside from aside from like i remember he was he was the guy that gets uh gets popped in the beginning of of mission impossible ghost protocol yeah and he i also really, dies in the first episode of buffy yeah <laughs> i really 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 wanted them to do a like intelligence is kind of where it went but i kind of really wanted them to do a mission impossible tv show centered around that character before he gets popped in in yeah. ghost protocol right but one of the interesting things was at the end of it you know it's a cbs show and it says abc studios so weird hmm. it, it's just whoever's willing wait to put the big multi the big multinational corporations are all owned by the same people <laughs> no well no but when studios create a tv show or whatever they they sell it to whatever yeah. tv station wants to air it and i think nbc is just desperate enough it's like nobody's gonna pick this up but we will. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what that's called in Japan because there's like I think there's a word for Bukaki? like yeah no. yeah well <laughs> Sakura. I'm not, no, not going to make that joke. Not going to make that joke. I'm not going to make that joke. Um, no, it's it's I think it's called a karetsu. Is it's like there's it, it, because in Japan, if I remember right, it's like literally every single corporation in Japan is owned by one of five companies. So there's only like there's literally only five companies in Japan that own pretty much everything, and I think those 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 giant conglomerates like that, kind of like we have in the in our um, like our food industry here, yeah. like fucking there's only three companies that Young own brands. everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, they um, that's that's what they that's a kairatsu, I think is what they call like those conglomerate corporations that just fucking own everything and put everything you know out. So general irreverent. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if... I mean, media... We already know media companies. There's only, like, fucking four media companies in the U.S. Mm. that pretty mm. much do everything. Yeah. I would have loved to have seen a Constantine TV show put out on a, on a network HBO. like FX or HBO or Showtime or something because that's the kind of character that deserves that kind of treatment, that kind of, like, breaking bad ear treatment, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, I just don't think that they're going to make it work. It's I mean, they're going to hire a... Keanu Reeves clone, and now I still haven't seen Forty Two Running, Forty Seven Running, whatever. Neither have I. I really want to though, because yeah. you know it's funny. People talk about that movie about how it's you know bastardizes the the Forty Seven Running legend, Who and I'm cares? like, I'm like, if you if you go to Japan, there's roughly fourteen point two billion versions of that story. It's like literally their oldest legend. It's like our version. It's it's their version of Tombstone, right? Like like there how many times can the Wyatt Earp story be retold? At least four more. Right? <laughs> and and I'm sure that if somebody came out with a and a movie where Wyatt Earp was fighting demons robots, and no, giant robots. Sure, fucking, fucking Westworld too. Yeah, uh, if if something like that came out here, it would be kind of cool. People were like, oh, that's neat. Um, but everybody's just like, oh, it's, why did they even have to put a white guy in it? And plot? what's really funny is I found out. I read an article about Forty Seven Run. I found out that Keanu Reeves isn't even close to the main character. Oh, no, in that he's movie. like a sub character. He's like a side character and. All across the Western world, they advertise it as though he is the main guy. Really, and he's not even. Yeah, nope. he he's literally like the 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 leader of the Forty Seven Ronin, the samurai guy, is the main character in the movie and the one that is the movie spends the most focus on. Yeah, huh? Um, but they they couldn't market it if it's yeah. you know. It's just well, that was the like, days of Crouching no. Tiger, Hidden Dragon are long gone. There's a yeah. there's a there was a con- a controversy last month that that just reminded me because of the whole you know the whitewashing thing. They um there were there was a controversy about Twelve Years a Slave. Yeah. Uh, w- the marketing company that handled all of the movie posters for Italy put they they had two different posters and. One of them had Brad Pitt as like the main guy, and he's only in the movie for like twelve minutes. Yeah, yeah. and the other one had fucking Fassbender as the main character, like like Ooh. advertising, and he's the he's the sleazebag slave owner in the I movie. I want it's that like, fucking oh. poster so much now. 
Oh, it, it was it was a huge deal because like in Italy they were like, oh, well, we can't market this movie with. Was, I think it's, it's Chiwetel Ejiofor. Yeah. Is, and it's like, uh, we can't market that shit, so fuck it. Put Fastbender on the poster. Oh, oh God. Oh, yeah. Fuck it. Put Hitler on the poster. It's fine. Haven't, haven't, <laughs> haven't seen the movie yet, and, but I know that Fastbender is not a very likable person. No, it's it's. I've heard I've heard that he's less than that. Yeah. So. Yeah, I don't know if I could actually sit through that movie. I mean, I, I really want to watch it, and I... I love the fact that there's a movie about like real real slavery and how it was back then. It's not you know super action movie like Django, but yeah, I, I don't I, I don't know if I could sit through that thing. Django, the honkiest killing movie you'll see all this year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I liked that movie. It was one of the few Quentin Tarantino's in the last several years that I liked. Uh, I fucking love, Bastards. dude! Inglorious Bastards is amazing. Oh, I hate that movie. I hated Get that out. movie. No, I seriously, I fucking watched that movie. I, I remember, and it, it was you two and several other people that I know that were like, "You got it. You got to watch Inglorious Bastards. You got to watch Inglorious." And I was kind of, I wasn't specifically putting it off. I just hadn't grabbed it and watched it. And finally, we we it was on sale, literally on Blu-ray for like four dollars. So I grabbed a copy, and we watched it, and. We almost turned it off. And even at the end, I was just like, why the fuck did I spend two and a half hours watching this drivel? That's one of Quentin Tarantino's worst movies. Then Death Proof is so good. Jackie Jackie Brown. I haven't seen Jackie Brown. Jackie Brown was great. I saw that shit in theaters. Death Death Proof was okay. Um, I liked the... uh, I liked the version of it that was in um the grindhouse the full release grindhouse not the individual one right the the shorter version in grindhouse i liked when he extended it he just it's too it's too the middle's too long there's too much there's too much blabbery bullshit in the middle that there was there was an extended version of death brew when they came out on video before grindhouse came out as it as the theatrical release they released death proof and um what's the other one Planet Terror. Planet yeah. Terror as individual extended edition movies. And Death Proof, the fucking extended edition of Death Proof is like two fucking hours long. Ooh. And it's all, and all he added to it was more talking in the middle. Ooh. So it's like... I am a fan of Tarantino dialogue, but... Ooh. I fucking yeah, love those much. commercials in the middle for Don't yeah. and thanks, Thanksgiving when <laughs> Thanksgiving. the killer is fucking the turkey and everyone's tied to the table. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I need to see this. Yeah. Did you not see Grindhouse in theaters? I did see it in theaters. It was the commercials that, for the movies in between. Yeah, Don't is the one that's the uh, the Giallo film that's like the seventies, um, you know, Italian horror. And then Thanksgiving is the Halloween parody, and it's you know got all the different things. And for like five seconds at the end of that thing, mm. everyone is tied to the Thanksgiving Day table, and the killer who's dressed up as a pilgrim is fucking a turkey. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I, yeah, maybe I do need to watch that thing. Now all I remember is Nicolas Cage with a Fu Manchu. Yep. <laughs> That's Werewolf from Werewolf the SS? Was that what it was? Oh, yeah, I think yeah. so. That's a Rob Zombie one. I did not like Planet Terror at all. Did <gasps> not. I thought it was awful. It was funny because the first time that I saw it, um, I liked Planet Terror more than Death Proof. But on subsequent viewings, I liked Planet Terror less and less and Death Proof more and more. Yeah, Planet... I don't know. There was just something... Planet Terror just didn't grab me. I don't know. It was... It was I don't know if it was too cheesy or what. I don't know. I, I just liked I liked Death Proof for Kurt Russell. Like I thought he was fantastic in yeah. it. Um, they smash his head at the end with the boots. Yeah. I just love the fact him crying like a baby. Yeah. Uh so one of the things we were talking about before we started recording that I wanted to talk about before we uh move on to talking about East of West was um how we were we were we were originally discussing Layman leaving DC and then uh we kind of mentioned the phrase the big two, which is always used to refer to Marvel and DC and Andy brought up a pretty good point that it's really the big three it's the big three yeah but uh, i i kind of wonder um i wonder if like like image image is really hit their stride recently the last like five years they have been fan fucking tastic um and i really wonder if they don't get lumped in with marvel and dc because they don't have a unified universe but really they're i mean the shit that they put out is uh, almost everything I buy right now is image. Well, like, they they're do, so good to a certain extent. Have a unified universe, sort of. Savage Dragons spawn. Okay, they um, have a universe where the creators allow each other to to, to visit use their characters and yeah. visit because, like, 
you know, like Super Patriot shows up in Invincible and the other characters kind of like show up in the background of Invincible every so often. Yeah. Um, but it's not like a, it's an, they don't worry, they, they don't have like a con- continuity horrors like the other, like Marvel and DC do. I'm totally fine with that. Oh, so am I. I don't, I'm glad that I can read these books and see these characters and not ever have to worry about continuity. I don't want Luther Strode to ever run into like, um, fuck Spawn. <laughs> I just, I, yeah. I don't want to see that. Yeah, no, it's fine. I've just been I've been amazed by images output in the last few years. Like they're literally I would say 80% of the books that I buy right now are image. Um like even just in the last year like Fatal and Black Science and Pretty Deadly and East of West which we're going to talk about later and like the Luther Strode books and so many good things. Black Acre, which I'm not a fan of, but a lot of people are. Um, uh, sheltered? Uh, Lazarus, Sheltered. Just, it's just a, the, their string of creator owned work is phenomenal. Fucking mm-hmm. fantastic. And I like the fact that these are stories that I can read on my own and that I don't have to worry about continuity. I don't have to worry about. I, I think uh, I'm going to sort of expand on that. I think for. Um, probably like about the past five years, like you've said, um, there's been some independent publishers who have really hit their stride other than Image. Avatar has some stuff that's great. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not talking about Cross because I know that's not everyone's cup of tea, but things like Uber and um, Absolution, those books are phenomenal. Yeah. And since they're not, you know, part of any major universe, they can do whatever they want. And yeah, they're hyper violent and a little bit over the top in general. Like, it's really cool to see these stories that it's like, okay, this is what I want to write. Okay, write it. Yeah. Now, mind you, I don't personally enjoy all of them. Alan Moore went fucking nuts with Neonomicon. That was just too far. But You could have just ended that sentence that Alan Moore went fucking nuts. Yeah, you know. I mean, there's not really any qualification you need to put on yeah, that. Yeah, you don't need proof. Sorry, I'm looking at the image website to see all the other shit that they've they've put out that's just fantastic. Peter Panzerfaust, Prophet, Rat Queens. Rat Queens oh. is great. Um, what the fuck do I got over here? I really wish Velvet is another. Oh, Velvet is fantastic. Meh. Uh, d- d- meh. 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 Are you kidding me? I think Brubaker's done better stuff. I like Velvet because I. Okay, I don't think we can. It's hard to. It's hard to make a judgment like that based on two issues, though. Fair, I think. Fair. I think if we give Brubaker the time to. F- fill out this story like i i just i like the genre that he's writing in i like the i like that kind of like 60s super spy type genre okay um and i think he's got i think the lead character is really cool but um so what's velvet about it is about a um a secretary a former british spy uh turned secretary who who's now working a desk job at at I think it's, I don't know if it's actually like MI6 or whatever, but it's basically a British intelligence organization. Okay. Um, and a an agent gets assassinated in the field, and through her following up on the assassination, she finds out that she's being framed for the murder. And so when it starts out, she's just a, she's just, you know, she kind of gets introduced as mild-mannered secretary type, and then she starts whooping whooping ass and yeah. uh like escapes and now it's it's very much it's kind of like super spy genre meets the fugitive okay um so now she's you know using her underworld contacts to try and figure out who actually so does the spy organization that she's an assistant for do they know that she was a a spy yes okay. they were the they were the organization that that employed her as a okay. spy and so she, and she's like i can't take it anymore i'm just get a desk job I don't, they don't fully explain why she was doing a desk job, but mm. it was basically kind of like a, she doesn't, you know, she's not cut out for field work type thing anymore, but yeah, it's, yeah. it's, I really like it. I think it's fantastic. Um, so just to go back to the independent publishers, one of the things that I really appreciate is that um, Image, Dark Horse, uh, my God, Avatar, they're really letting these authors like Sci- Boom Studios too. Boom Studios as well. They're really letting these, um, these writers like, uh, Matt Fraction, Kelly Sue DeConnick, Cy mm-hmm. Spurrier, Brew Baker, um, Layman. Oh, speaking of Fraction, Fra- uh, Sex Criminals. Sex yes. Criminals, yeah. Um, oh, shit. Um, What's he write? She? Uh, fucking East to West. 
uh, Jonathan Hickman. Hickman. Hickman, Remender. They're letting these authors write the books that they want to write, and they're not confined into the, uh-huh. the world. And I think that it's really like a second golden age of comics because of that. Uh-huh. I mean, mm-hmm. you've got these weird-ass stories like Pretty Deadly and Black Science that you never would have seen you know, after the comics code got created. Uh-huh. And it's great. It's a, it is a great time to be reading comics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Absolutely. So that being said... Uh, uh, buy, borrow, or burn for image. Uh, I would say buy, buy, <laughs> buy. <laughs> I will borrow. Burn them to the ground. No, uh, you guys buy all of the all of those books that we just mentioned from Image. Uh, I would wholeheartedly suggest people go out and buy because they're fantastic. Uh, mm-hmm. The and like I said, Boom Studios has a couple that I, I'm reading right now. Like they did, they just finished up uh, Six Gun Gorilla, and they're doing Suicide Risk, which is yeah, actually, really good. Um. So, oh, revival's another one that Image has. That revival's like. excellent. Um, I mean, there's so many. It's it's, and what what it proves, and I and this is the thing we've been saying from the start, and what a lot of people say is that um, it don't follow characters, follow and a follow lot of writers. So no, here's the thing. Now, see, I, I'm going to take that in a slightly different direction. A lot of people say follow follow creative teams or follow writers or follow artists, whatever. I'm going to say follow stories because. Some writers, um, some writers have have off and on, right? Like, I love the guy to death. I absolutely love Sixth Gun, but the stuff, the non Sixth Gun stuff I've read from Colin Bunn has been less than fantastic. Um, Sixth Gun, one of the best comics I've ever read. I still love it to death, but like his his DC stuff has just been kind of, eh. and you know, Deadpool. Deadpool kills the Marvel Universe, I think, is one of the ones that he did, or Deadpool kills everyone, whatever. His Deadpool book was just kind of eh. Um, but the, if you follow the guys, like Hickman's a perfect example of a guy who I didn't like his Avengers at all. And I don't like a lot of the stuff that he does for Big Two, but his his independent work is fantastic. Like, I'm right, right now, it's. A, Speaking of comics, we're reading. I'm I uh, I'm reading Secret as well, which is another Jonathan Hickman book. Has, has and he it, started that up again? Yeah, it, it okay. started back. So it like he did the first three issues, and then there was like a seven month yeah, gap. It was, it was a big one. Um, where I literally thought that it was just done. I thought it was never coming out again because that has happened before. Like the the Kevin Smith. Um, uh, I was thinking of Mark Moore's War Heroes where it's like... Yeah. <laughs> uh. Or Kevin Smith did that Spider-Man Black Cat where it was supposed to be a four-issue miniseries. He did three of them and just... And the fourth issue just literally never came out. They didn't even let somebody else write it and finish drawing it so that we could finish the story. It just died. And the he was going to do a uh, Daredevil Bullseye that he did one issue. <laughs> the rest of it... It was supposed to be a five-issue miniseries. Anyway, um, but like Secret had a seven month gap and it was, and I thought it was done. And then I find out that um, issue four just came out this last month and he's got a schedule f- at least through issue, I think, it, 10 or 11 uh, monthly. And that book is so good. Yep. Like, so good. So, and that's why I say follow stories. Like, if the story seems like it's something that would be interesting to you, pick it up, try and read it, like, see what it's about. Because, and yeah, writers, a good writer will give me more um, reason to pick up a story. Like Hickman, if I see him writing an an independent book and the story looks interesting to me, the fact that Hickman's name is attached to it will give me more reason to pick it up. But I've picked up books by writers that I'm completely unfamiliar with just based on the story that is pitched. And that's enough like okay i'm sold i'll 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 read this like um i'm trying to think i think everything that i'm reading right oh no like six gun gorilla was a perfect example i had i knew nothing of size Spurrier's work prior to six gun gorilla and i read the synopsis for the story and i'm like this seems fucking awesome and it turned out it was awesome yeah he's so good so a, yeah. pr- a prime example of this is i i logged into comicsology mm-hmm. you know to look up east of west and i noticed that they're having a Rick Remender sale. Oh, nice! So they're they're selling all this Rick Remender stuff, and so I'm I'm looking at this, and one of them is Black Science. You mm-hmm, can pick it up mm-hmm, for ninety nine mm-hmm. cents, and then everybody some, should do that right now. Yeah, and some other ones like Strange Girl. Have you guys heard about this? I've heard about it. I haven't. So, read it. I, and I I read the synopsis. Pretty much, it's this this occultist girl who has survived the rapture, hmm. and so and 
so she's on Earth, which is hell on Earth now because the rapture happened. And so she, her and her little demon cohort are trying to find the last portal to heaven in order to trick God into getting her back into heaven and getting off Earth. Hmm. Sounds pretty interesting. And the other one is Sea of Red is about this guy. I've never even heard of that one. Yeah, it's a sailor. It's a sailor who um, gets shipwrecked and he gets picked up by this ship. And it turns out to be a black galleon. And the black galleon is a ship of vampires. And this is back in like the 1500s. And for some reason, he gets deserted and sunk at the bottom of the ocean and gets saved. So he's surviving on the bottom of the ocean on on fish and whatnot. And he's a vampire, obviously. You got sure. And 2004, he gets saved or somehow. And so now he's trying to find vengeance on the Black Galleon. The like, 101 Lives of Black Jack Savage. <laughs> it, you know, Aww. it kind of it kind of <laughs> sounds like um, who was American Vampire. You know, okay, yeah, yeah. Because they sunk him, that vampire. Down Snyder's there. another author I really, really uh, like. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, both of those stories, like, yeah, I'll, I'll read that. Yeah. And I, The Wake. The Wake. Thank you. I'm broke, and the sale ends on Monday. So I don't know. Yeah, I am broke ass broke right now, too. The Wake Happy is. Happy New Year! <laughs> so, for the last couple of weeks, we've been reading the first. Uh, trade of East of West by Jonathan Hickman and Nick Dragata. It is an image published book, and the first trade encompasses the first five issues of the book. Um, Did any of us actually read the trade? I've been getting it in. Well, no, you've got it in Comicsology, so that's not really technically the trade, unless oh. you bought it as a trade. I bought it as a trade. Okay, well, that's fair enough. That answers that. I bought it as individual issues. Um, mostly, you know, it's weird. I picked it up. Um, I picked it up just on. A whim. I picked up the first issue and saw it, and saw that it was written by Jonathan Hickman, and thought the artwork was fantastic. And when when I kind of flipped through it, I thought it was I thought it was like a like a supernatural western. Turns out it's yeah. sort of it has western elements and yeah. themes, but it's more sci fi, like yeah. post apocalyptic. Um, it's more Serenity than True Grit. Yeah, yeah. It's so the storyline of East of West is that. Uh, to, to go through the world building a little bit, um, at some point during the Civil War or yeah, like in eight, the late 1860s, uh, a meteor hits some somewhere in America and destroys a good chunk of shit. And uh, a bunch of different nations come together and form an armistice uh, in America, which completely basically changes the face of, of the North American continent from that point forward. Um, where there's now uh, there's now seven seven different nations occupying the North American continent, and they are um, completely different. Completely different. Yeah. There's no well, one thing is that the the Indians survived the Indian War. I, I was yeah. going to say it's the the guy from the commercials with the tear running on his cheek, Mark <laughs> Twain, um, <laughs> Anton Lavey, and a woman's body. Uh, who else? Yeah. Um, Mao Zedong. Oh yeah. Yeah. So uh, that all being said, the actual story of East of West is that um, at some point during this, there there is a there's a a huge like religious backing because of something uh, called the message that apparently during the during the Civil War there were there were two prophets who were delivering um, what is what is called in the book the message. And it gets cut off, so nobody knows what the end of the message actually is because the two prophets both simultaneously die. Um, fast forward to the like twenty fifty something, I think, is when this book takes place. Uh, and at s- the four horsemen were on Earth, tangible, tangible on Earth. And the, the what I've gleaned from the first five issues of this book is that it picks up after. Uh, they've been betrayed. Ten, ten years after. Ten years after, they were betrayed and basically all killed. But because of the fact that they are immortal to some degree, they, they get reborn after having been killed. And when they get reborn, war, uh, famine, and pestilence come back. Conquest. Yeah, you know what I mean. I'm, the, the classic names are Conquest is the name for war in this particular book. So they, they do rename the, the horsemen, but basically war famine and pestilence come back and death isn't with them yeah, and because, 
and they're pissed off and it's because death has made a deal to remain uh to remain living after supposedly after being betrayed and left for dead and that's where the book picks up and the first five issues are kind of determining it follows two story three storylines actually it follows death and what he's doing it follows the horseman the remaining horseman trying to find him and figure and try and kill him yeah. and it follows the the humans that are the 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 followers of the message and the political machinations that they are going through to try and um, gain control of a place that is called Armistice, which is where the meteor struck, and it's uh, where the Armistice was signed that formed the Seven Nations in the first place. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised when I bought this book, and it turned out not to be what I expected it to be. It's super fucking good. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just... I, I, uh-huh. Yeah, I still don't know what the hell is going on. Really? I, th- I think it's mostly because of the message and the, and the prophecy and how all the different nations are interacting with each other. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's one of the things, first of all, that, that really caught me on this is that it's a completely original world. Like, there's yeah. nothing that I could see that's an analog to something else because with the... <clears throat> with all the different nations coming together and in the future and there's kind of magic but there's also sci-fi too mm-hmm. um there's no there's nothing that i could get a foothold or that i would say okay this is what this is supposed to be and in in the fact that this is something completely different it's for me it's really ominous because i don't know what's going to happen like you, mm-hmm. with a lot of stories you're like okay i can see what this where this character's going or what their direction is but this one is just completely out of left field and i don't know where it's going yeah i'm so first off i am a huge fan of sci-fi worlds that incorporate mysticism of some sort and and magic i really like that kind of blending of sci-fi and fantasy a lot so uh, and that's one of the reasons why I really like this book because they do that quite a bit. Um, and I don't know. I didn't, I didn't have as much problem following the story. Now I should, I should rephrase that. I kind of had a problem following the story the first time I read it when I reread it and was able to read it all in one stretch instead of reading it monthly. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of clicked for me um, yeah. because it basically is just uh the the premise being and so this is this is how i boil down the story and it's um the the followers of the message have a prophecy that states that uh death will um breed a destroyer of worlds effectively and that prophecy came to pass in that while the horsemen were corporeal and on earth at one point death falls in love with a uh kind of a for lack of a better phrase for her a warrior princess kind of character uh an asian uh, in one of the asian cultures that's in the book um and they fall in love they breed a child and then that's what triggers the betrayal is that the the followers of the message um basically uh, draw the horsemen in and betray them in order to get a hold of the child. Uh, They manage to leave... um, Fuck, what's the woman's name? I can't remember her name. Um, Because I always get her confused with the security woman that's uh, um, part of the same household. Anyway, um, they cut off her hands and leave her for dead. They take the child but she believes the child's dead um death knows that the child is alive which is why they hint in this that he made a deal to remain living after um after the you know he was left for dead um and they kind of state the the horsemen when they come back they kind of state that there's a that he's got three goals to destroy every follower of the message that was part of the betrayal to uh, get back with the woman that he fell in love with and to take back the son that was stolen from them. And you find out that the, the coalition of the message are, are brainwashing the child. Yeah. And it's funny too, because in, in. 
Zhaolin. Zhaolin. Okay. Um, it's funny. This one of the things I wanted to bring up is in issue five. Spoilers. They they show the the kid being um, uh, brainwashed, right? And it's kind of a neat thing. He's like he's like all cybered up, and he's in this rig, and it is nearly exactly the same sequence of like questions and stuff that um, they posed to Spock in the reboot of the Star Trek movie. Cause you know, when he's on Vulcan as a kid and he's in the thing and he's taught and they're throwing like math questions and philosophical questions at him yeah. and it goes, he, he's like rattling off the answers to these complicated ma- mathematical and philosophical questions. And then the last question is, how do you feel? And it stumps him and it's the exact same fucking thing in this, but like literally it goes, how do you feel? And the kid goes, I don't understand the question. And, um, it's, it, it's interesting. It's like, um, I, God, it's just, it's just, it's just so, the world building is so fantastic in this yeah. book. Yeah, it is. It, it really is. Oh, and okay. So from my understanding is that <clears throat> death had left the four horsemen. And went with Zhao Ling to, um, to you know, fall in love. So he had, he had left them. And from my understanding that they had tricked Death to be away from Zhao Ling when the other four horsemen came and tried to kill her. And that's when they cut off her hands and took her kid. I didn't get the impression that it was the four horsemen that did that. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it, it was? was? Okay. It was okay. the four horsemen that well, did that. Or the three horsemen, the, yeah. The three of them to, to get the kid away from Zhao Ling and leave her for dead. Mm-hmm. And then I think after that... That's when the the followers of the message kill the four horsemen without death. So death never really died. No, he died. He died. No, they. He talks about the fact that um, he made a deal. He made so they were together when the followers killed them, and they they make a comment about how he makes a comment when he's talking to Zhao Ling about um, uh. The, the price he paid to stay alive because she yeah she because she looks at him and says you look different and he he says something about the price I the price to remain was deeper if, than if, you can imagine if you look at the um the historic like the older photos of him when they first meet mm. he's actually jet black and now yeah. he's white yeah um, oh that's I thought that was maybe just like shading or whatever no, no he makes a comment about that and then um. The the rest of the horsemen, uh, when they come back, one of the things that the the followers of the message m- mention is that, and that he mentions is that they are typically so beholden to the prophecies of the message that they can't break away from that path in their pursuits. Choices. Right, so. That's why they are still, even though they were also betrayed. That's why they are still resolute in trying to kill him for splitting off from them. And, uh, they are helping the, a lot of the followers of the message or trying to find somebody to become president of the United States that will, um, work with them, that will work with them. Um, even though they were also killed. Mm. Um, and he, because of this whole scenario, the, for lack of a better way to put it, let's Huey Lewis it. The power of love has allowed him to break a- away from the the message. And okay. uh, now I've got that song stuck. In my head. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> oh, I, Back to the Future. I hate you so much. And I think where the complexities in this come is exactly where you're saying is trying to figure out the machinations of the humans in this. Because frankly, the the horseman storylines are pretty straightforward. It's like yep. death wants his kid back. He wants his wife back and he wants everybody dead. Yeah. It's what he does. The, the horsemen want him dead and want the apocalypse to happen as, you know, for, as for it's to- supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. And so far there is a sect of the humans that want the, want the kid to fulfill his destiny as a destroyer of worlds kind of character. The beast is what they call him. But there's others that don't, want that to happen that thinks that's that their actions are out of line so yeah yeah he's got he's good that is him the issues for a second because he has one of the best lines uh in comics so you guys talk for a minute i'm gonna find this okay so and there there are a lot of great scenes in this i think maybe that's one of the things is that i was having a i was having trouble following what the message meant in each one of these things because they kind of go through the message and like okay this is being fulfilled because it's cup of a cup chalice of a chalice and and what is that supposed to mean 
in regards to the birth of a kid. So, and I can kind of, there's, there's a lot of different ways that you can interpret that. And I think maybe that's where I was getting lost. Um, so the, the, the <coughs> message, quote unquote, uh, has two aspects and it's sort of spelled out in one of the issues where they talk about it being that there are some very blatant points that you can understand, but then other parts you can only understand from the context of the current events that are going on. Mm. So, um, oh shit, I think that might be a past point or issue five. Maybe. Because, like, there's a lot of stuff that they, they the the human side of things gets considerably more complex after issue five. Yep. Uh, they basically it's more complex. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Um, they introduce the judges, which I think is awesome, but we won't go into that since it wasn't in our reading. Um, so the the Mark Twainy guy whose name I can never remember in when this book. When he's talking about how his uh, his needs have far surpassed, or his wants have far, far surpassed his needs, and he's comfortable in the situation that he is, so he doesn't want the apocalypse to happen? Nope, it's before that, actually. He said, well, maybe it's that, but right before that, this is one of the best lines from a Western character ever put in a comic book. When death shows up at his door and is is basically pointing a gun at him and asking for help, and he says, um, <laughs> the guy, what does the cat say to the other cat? The guy says, uh, when he shows up, he says, it's inevitable. After all, I hear death waits for no man. And death says, inevitable. I like that. Uh, and aren't you something special? All nice and gracious, saying what I need to hear, saying the words, saying my name. And this is the best line. He goes, yes, but I would encourage you to temper your expectations of me as I am an exceptionally flawed man. <laughs> See? There are men who feign boldness, and we call them gamblers. Then there are men who truly, who are truly bold, and we call them valiant. Well, I am neither. I understand only one thing, and I speak only one language, and that, son, is leverage. Oh, that is such a fantastic line. Dude, the balls on him, though, when he's talking to Death <laughs> later on. I know. Like, Death is there, and he's like, so, real quick, a joke. What does the cat say to the other cat? And Death's like, what? He's like, meow. What do you expect a cat to say? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there's there's some really fantastic characters in this yeah. book, and one of the things that I really loved about the relationship between um, between Death and Zhao Lin is that uh, when they show it in flashbacks, they portray it, you know, they portray it as like super, you know, world ending love type thing where they have this child and then they get betrayed and suppose that she get, they both get left for dead and he kind of vanishes for a while, supposedly due to the, whatever deal he made to remain alive and come back. And, you know, he goes literally through hell and earth to get back to her. And then, um, when he finally does, she's, she just flat out rejects him. Yeah. And she's, she's like, you know, you you abandoned me when I needed you most. Go to hell. I'm not the same person that you fell in love with. And then he tells her that uh, their son is alive. And her reaction is not this, like, bubbly need, oh, my God, he's still alive thing. It's like, you go get him back. And if you don't, I'm coming for you. Like, And it's so, it's the, so fantastic where she's just like, She's just like, no, 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 no. You're you've got a job to do now because you fucked us both over. And if you don't if you don't do it, I'm gonna take care of you instead. And yeah, like that, that love is gone. Yeah. I am um I think that's one of the things that really makes this book fantastic is the characterizations. The like depth the, of characters. The, the depth of the characters oh, yeah. involved. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. And and like you were saying, I didn't really realize this, but you know, um all the all the four horsemen pretty much have one purpose. And that's what their drive is, where everybody else is so duplicitous that that you don't know where they're coming from or what their motivation is. Um, and so it's like the humans are more demonic than the actually, you know, the personifications of these evil things. Yeah. Um, that's something I've, I've seen in fiction a lot that cool. I actually really like is that, you know, it shows that – shows in comics and stories that have – um, like mythical, f- mythical elements or uh, elements that are bred from from legend, um, especially the legends that we have, and, and things like you know demons and and angels and and uh, supernatural Ditties. creatures. Um, they they always portray normal humans as as consistently more complex than any demon or deity because like you know they the supernatural creatures 
like you constantly see stories with with like fairy creatures and stuff that are that are they basically they're pretty straightforward you know or and with the specifics of like fey creatures they're always going to try and deal you out of something that you want yeah. or turn you know or fuck you over and there's always rules that they have to live by and the thing that separates humanity and why humanity is always able to persevere in the face of supposedly uh, astronomical odds is because they are not bound by the rules that the that the supernatural creatures are always bound by. Yeah. And the same goes here, which is one of the reasons why I like Death as a character in this because um, it makes him by far the most dangerous in that he is no longer bound by his rules, but he can he maintains his level of power. Yep. So now the best he's of both worlds. he's got the best of both worlds. He is bound in so much as he's going to do whatever Jalen tells him to do, basically. But he's not bound by the by the tenets of the prophecy anymore. Um, yeah. Some other things that I, I I just love about this is the fact that. Uh, when the four horsemen come out and they're adolescents, right? They're, they're yeah. children and they're growing up, but they still have the faculties of the, these adults or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so it's all these death dealing four horsemen or three <laughs> horsemen, I guess, are just killing everything. It's like, I hate these little tiny bodies that we have. I can't wait till I grow up. <laughs> and they're still just murdering people left and right. And that, And that's another thing is that at the beginning of this, like the first scene where you see death in, in his cohorts, it's kind of Tarantino-esque where they don't show the carnage that they cause in that, in that mm-hmm. tavern that they join into. And, and so it's kind of inferred that these guys are badass, but you don't really know how badass they are because he's not really portrayed as death at the beginning. And then later on when there's that big climatic or epic battle with... Um, with the east the mal forces with the mal forces with death and his two assistants yeah where they are just the assistants murdering. are amazing by the yeah, way yeah they are murdering everybody yeah. i like those characters but and i want to do some research and find out if they're a if they are solely a, a creation of hickman or if they're, they're pulled from i don't think they're any mythology see that's the thing is i feel like they may have been pulled from some sort of native american mythology because it it seems to me like possibly so, th- for listeners, there's two characters that are fault that are helping death basically, and the they are and the pack. There are both. Um, they're both Native American characters, uh, a male and a female, and they have. They're both um, solid black and solid white in the same way that death is, and they have the ability to to shape shift basically into the woman can shape shift into crows, and the the guy can shape shift into wolves, and. I'm wondering if... I think it's coyotes, not wolves. Okay, maybe it's coyotes. In which case, it would be Korax and... Oh, shit, I can't remember what the... Okay. So, it's interesting because I'm, I'm the one thing that they've not revealed and that I'm kind of wondering is if those are the two... Um, if those are the two beings that he made a deal with to bring him back to life if they are the ones that brought him or back agents, and agents of the forces that right brought him back um because they're helping they, they're seemingly helping him add at will you know yeah. for do doing whatever he wants them to do but and they seem to be on his side but i'm wondering if they've they've got power over him or vice versa um but they're they're fantastic characters i love yeah. in that scene you were talking about where death comes into the bar and he interrogates the guy behind the bar and as one of one of the th- he's this guy behind the bar has this like this fairly Cthulian like implanted eye that has its own like tentacles and the ability to move and yeah. stuff and he's got it under a he's got it under a f- kind of a flip cap eye patch thing and um it's it was funny because like he gets uh death threatens to take his eye from him and then when they leave after he gets his information the the woman like turns around and goes uh I would have taken the eye. It's <laughs> like just this, and, and also it, it seemed like the eye was. And before this, you kind of, and I think maybe this is what threw me for a loop because when it starts off, it gives the history and the the message and the pact, and it seems like okay, this is all based in kind of the real world, and they're following the message, and then all of a sudden you 
get into this world where, okay, they're going into this Wild West town and you still kind of mm-hmm. don't know what time it's based in. And then there's that guy where the eye pops out and you realize, oh, okay, this is sci-fi. Yeah, it's more sci-fi. But or? everything's set in kind of like the Old West. And and then that's kind of threw me for a loop. Like, okay, I have no... I have no idea where this is going. Yeah. All right, humorous side note, Coyote and Raven are both um, specifically uh, heroes from in Native American sure. mythology, uh, and they're both aspects of the trickster. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. So maybe they are the ones that brought him back to life, and they're going to fuck him over for it at some point. They're the equivalent of Loki. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. That, uh, that'll, that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, I'm... I'm really looking forward to seeing where this story goes because so uh, especially after reading it's up to issue eight now eight, okay. um, and some of the characters they've introduced like i said the judges the yep. judges are fantastic they're basically like they're they're a cross between old west marshals and judge the, the dread judge the judges from judge dread and they're they you know they kind of have this carte blanche to do whatever the fuck they want and there's a specific judge that becomes a character uh in the later story and the the build-up the world building and the build-up and and i mean hickman's a fantastic writer he has a really really good ability to um to manage complex plots and dribble out the, just the exact, enough information. Right. Just the exact right information yeah. to make it interesting without giving everything away. Yeah. Which is something that a lot of writers don't have the faculty to do. And nope. Hickman is probably one of the best. He does the same thing in Secret. He does the same thing in uh, Manhattan Projects. Manhattan like, Projects is so good. Yeah. Oh, I mean, he, he he's just, he does it right. Um, what the fuck was the, the Hickman book with the superheroes? I don't remember. Were there Avengers? F- no, 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 no. It was, like, <laughs> it was one of Pikmin's first projects. He's not wrong. I mean, <laughs> that's okay. that is correct. Secret Avengers. That's a that's a book. A- Avengers. No, he's writing. He also did Secret Avengers. Okay, uh, yeah. but uh, there was a one of Hickman's first books that he wrote um, had a bunch of heroes start of fighting against the apocalypse. Huh. And there are some great characters in there. There's like um, a personification of death on a horse who's a gunman. Who's a, a vigilante? He's like sort of the Batman-esque character. Okay, Red um, Mass of Mars. No, that was a, it. Was Red Mass of Mars was after, and so was uh, Red Wing. But so one of the things that superheroes I, in it, but anyway, one of the things I definitely want to touch on before we finish this up is Nick Dragata's art is fantastic in mm-hmm. this book, and the coloring yep. is really good too. Who's the colorist? Grab grab one of your open issues because I don't know who the colorist. Martin. Um, uh, the the artwork in the book is is Frank Martin. Frank Martin. Yeah, the artwork in the book is phenomenal. Um, and what's really cool is that uh, um, Hickman Hickman did nightly news as well, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay, Hickman by na- by nature. I read this and uh, when I was reading about nightly news, he's he's a designer, and one of the things that I didn't like about over nightly designed. news was that it was over designed and it's very much. It was basically like reading a, a infographic. Giant infographic. Um, you can tell that his design work has worked its way into East of West in a very good way. Like he always has like each issue has like a three or four page prologue thing. And then there's some, uh, a couple of design pages in it that, um, you know, kind of feed into what, you know, with a quote that kind of feeds into the rest of the story. And, uh, the, the design work in this book is fantastic. And Dragata's art is just, just nails the feel yeah. just perfectly. Mm-hmm. He's got a little bit of, um, so especially in the in the horseman characters, a little bit of the feel of like Akira. Um, yeah, some of the way the characters are drawn, yeah. it feels a little bit like Akira and dystopian. Yeah, I just um, the 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 cities they've designed and Armistice and I, oh, the, I love the city that's in the uh, the, the horseshoe the, bend. Yeah. Yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like in the base of a horseshoe canyon, and it's like a giant uh, metropolis. Metropolis all technically below the level of the plateau. Um, but yeah, this... Uh, yeah. And there's a lot of cool stuff. Uh, I just remembered something that I thought was really cool was when they do come back, I think it was War came back as... Conquest. The Conquest came back as a man? No, as a woman. As a woman. As a woman, he, he was like, uh-huh. God, why do I got to be a woman this time? Yeah. <laughs> It just, you know, it just that little side banter too, really fleshes out the characters. Also, yeah. 
Uh, he, he's he's kind of good, and the artwork's really good too. There there are some times where I can't exactly know what what stuff is going on, especially like during those big battles. But you know, there's a lot of fog of war going on, you hmm. you know, and, and that kind of stuff. But there's also other character other scenes where it's super detailed and you can see like the when the eye pops out of that that yeah. uh, bartender's face. face yeah and, and it totally looks otherworldly like it has a life of its own it really brings that stuff to life too um there's part of me that kind of wonders if it isn't actually alien because i wonder if the meteor that crashes brought something with it me, you know yeah. that, that's kind of those kind of little little side notes in the in the world building are, are pretty fantastic. Um, yeah, you don't know where this is completely something novel. Yeah. You don't know what is going to be coming up. It is one of the most original worlds I've seen built in uh, in a sci-fi world in a long time. Umbrella and Academy is what it reminds me of. A little bit, yeah. I was going to... Or kind Casanova. Of, as far mm-hmm. as like building a sci-fi world, and this is something I get, I get... I catch a lot of flack for, but I still hold by it, is that I think uh, the Chronicles of Riddick had fantastic world building regardless of what you thought about the movie the world that they built the the civilizations and the the necromongers and all of that kind of stuff just it it, it's similar in that it's you know it's a sci-fi world with some mysticism to it Mm -hmm. and it's and it's pretty much completely original is riddick Um, a sequel or is it a retelling no riddick Riddick? is actually a sequel okay because uh vato vaco shows up in in riddick yeah um so this is like it's like it technically is after yeah he talks about how he he left the throne yeah after he was king of the necromongers um yeah, but to see the difference with that with Riddick, it's it's sci-fi, so it's not based on Earth. So you can go in in any setting that you yep. want, and anything you can go on, or any of the other worlds that were created before. It's still based like Umbrella Academy is still based in modern modern society. You know, mm-hmm. there's buildings or robot zombie Gustav Eiffel. <laughs> yeah, or Casanova though. Actually, Casanova's no, Cas- all over the place, dude. Yeah, there's aliens. True. There's yeah. the alien who's the has the casino and the UFO that flies above now Nevada. I think about it. Yeah, there are different dimensions that he goes to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Casanova. Atomic is, Robo. Is oh, completely so good. So uh, he just fights pandas in one panda <laughs> for no reason. <laughs> that's like that's another good book that. Uh, everyone should pick up. Anyway, um, so we'll we'll move on now. I, I the buy, borrow, burn for me is super easy. It's a, it's a it's a s- easy buy. Buy yeah. easy buy. Yeah, it's an easy buy too. Yeah, this is this is one that um, if you're into sci-fi at all, if you're into kind of westerns, if you're into Hickman's stuff, this is this is one of Hickman's best books uh, in my opinion. Like of the recent, of probably the last ten years. I oh think yeah. he's I think it's phenomenal, and I'm 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 sure that he has an end game. Uh, I don't know how many issues it's supposed to go, but I can't imagine. I'd guess twenty four. Probably, I don't know. I I can't imagine they're not um, that image. That I can't imagine this book not being successful enough to finish out whatever run Hickman wants it to run, and that's good to know because I'm I really want this. I really want to see the end of this story. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so do I. All right, so the next show we are doing, I unfortunately I don't have the list of uh, the remaining shows, but the the next show is episode 60. We are doing our round numbered long read of 100 bullets. So we are doing the entirety of 100 bullets front to back, uh which 100 is 100 issues, issues, 13 volumes or Five volumes five if you get them hard covers. hard covers, which is what I did. Um, we we should have the whole crew for that. I think everybody. I know all three of us have read it. Anne has my copies, so I have to assume that she's somewhere through reading it. We have to get them to Eddie. But anyway, uh, episode sixty will be hundred bullets, and then what we're, what I'm going to do is I'm going to try and I'm going to try and get things planned out five to ten episodes at a time. So on on episode sixty next week, we will announce what the next. Uh, at least the next five episodes are going to be, and then we're going to do a long read every uh, on every round ten tenth episode. So, uh, if you would like to be part of the show, you can email us at tradesecretsgeekerific dot com. You can hit us up on Twitter at trade secrets pod. You can hit us up on Facebook at facebook.com slash trade secrets podcast. Uh, we love to get fan emails. Uh, even if you even if you want to rant at us about something you don't like or you disagree with our, especially if you disagree with our opinion, please 
send us an email uh talk to us about the things that you love um if you've read 100 bullets uh send us an email prior to the next episode and we will read your email on the show about 100 bullets aha andy has just handed me the list of episodes that are coming up so after 100 bullets uh on the episode after 100 bullets we're going to be doing buzzkill and then the episode after that, we are going to be doing the Captain America, Marvel Now Captain America. And then the episode after that, we are going to be doing BPRD Vampire. So those are the next three episodes. 100 Bullets, Buzzkill, Captain America, and BPRD Vampire are going to be the uh, episodes that we're going to do into the future. I have no idea what BPRD Vampire is. I don't either. Like, that's something that Anne brought up, and I'm, like, I'm intrigued because I like the BPRD stuff. So... Um, so yeah, uh, fire us an email. Let us know what you think. Uh, participate in the show. This has been episode fifty-nine of the Trade Secrets Podcast. Thank you, Andy, for loaning us your apartment. Yeah, no problem. Thank you, Joel. Ain't no talking about it. I am Luke, and we are out. Work it harder, make it better. Do it faster, makes us stronger.